Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. All right. I'm just going to pray one more time because I know I need the Lord's help. So, um, Father, just uh, thank you for your word. Help me to be faithful to it, Lord. Um, and I pray for our hearts that we would seek to, as it says in Isaiah 66, to tremble before your word, to have an attitude of uh, being willing to receive it for our understanding and also where you ask us uh, obedience to, Lord, to live in obedience, to live with a surrendered heart to you, surrendered will. For as we've sung, Lord, you are worthy that all of our lives and uh, all of our desires and dreams, ambitions, agenda would be submitted to you, Lord, uh, that our lives may be as a living sacrifice to you, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew uh, 28. We're going to be looking at a passage which may be very familiar. I've noticed also in the mission world, um, this passage is very well known, but a lot of the time, because it's well known, we don't really look at everything that it says. Um, I know our particular mission organization, which is OM, um, has been very strong on, the, on that word go, for example. Uh, and there's been a lot of going, but sometimes, and I think we've also recognized that some other phrases that can be found in this passage have been a little bit overlooked. Um, and often we've gone in there, and then we've gone there, and then we've gone there, but that's not all that we find in this passage. So we're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 28 uh, from verse 18 to 20. And I'm just having a little trouble here, so give me one moment. Uh, I'm actually going to use, uh, there we go. All right, so we're going to read. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So let's stop there for one moment. And the first question I want to answer. Today we're basically going to talk about the Great Commission. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. So we're going to try to answer all of these questions uh, that come through this text. The first thing that we see is that uh, the one who's speaking here is Jesus. Um, And as we uh, have surrendered our lives to him and we call him Lord, uh, we recognize that even though his salvation is by grace, it's, it's nothing that we've done to earn it. We've also bowed our knee and we've recognized that he's the Lord of our lives. He's the supreme authority. And so... I really encourage you, um, often uh, we live in a world with so much distraction and so many things that try to pull us away from a life of complete surrender and obedience to the Lord. And I think even the enemy would seek to present excuses and reasons why we should sort of have a limited obedience to the Lord or we need to make sure that, you know, we kind of looking after number one as well. And there's a lot of things that can deter us 
from a life of radical surrender. And when we talk about missions as well, which we're talking about today, when we present the idea of missions to people uh, as we seek to mobilize them, there are many uh, thoughts that can come up in a person's mind that say, yeah, that's for somebody else, or um, I, I, I can't do that, or that's a little bit too scary, or I need to make sure that um, all the books balance. I have this plan for my future. And it may well be that the Lord... Uh, is uh, presenting us a different plan because he is the Lord after all. And so that's the first thing we see. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, said Jesus. So uh, uh, we know that every knee must bow to Jesus. Some will only bow later, sadly. But we want to do that now. We want to make sure that we bow our knees and our hearts before him. And so the instruction that he presents to us, even though it may present challenges, even though there may be thoughts that say, how could, how could a person do that? How could a person leave perhaps his, his, um, the plan that he had, the home that he had, the culture that he had? He's going to learn another language. He might have to eat um, worms at some point. Um, that happened to me at some point. But he may have to... Uh, engage in uh, uh, or, or live a life that's completely uncomfortable or different, but it's always important to realize the centrality of Christ and his lordship, and having taken the decision, it's almost, if you think about when a person enters marriage, it's really important at the beginning to take that decision of unconditional love, so that later, when the troubles come and the conflicts come, and the thought comes, why did I marry this person? Does it ever happen to you? I don't know. But you've already made the decision. And in missions, I think that's a wonderful thing to have as well, where you've already taken the decision to obey the Lord. And so when the challenges come and the, and the difficult moments come, and I'm not talking about only cr- uh, uh, cross-cultural missions. I'm also talking about in our daily lives, wherever we f- find ourselves, in the mission field of our company, uh, in the mission field of our family, we can put it that way, when the difficult moments come, the fear of man, the what will they think of me, and all those kind of questions, it's really good to have taken the decision to say, Lord, I've already chosen to obey you. And I met a guy once um, who later on served in Paraguay, and he said to me, he, he, he took the decision to say, yes, Lord, before the Lord uh, presented him any specific instruction. And so as soon as the Lord, he believed that the Lord was sending him somewhere, he said, yes, Lord. And then, and then the thought started coming. Oh, no, but how can you do that? How can you go there? How can you share with those people? And, then he, and he almost wanted to say that, and he said, but I already said yes. So it's too late. All right. Okay. Now let's look at verse uh, 19. Go, therefore, and we're going to look at it in phrases. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So just a couple of things there. The word go. Um, English no longer has a... Uh, a plural second person. So a lot of languages still do, but if you think about the King James, there's a go ye. Um, and I believe Texans still have it. Eh? They, they would say y'all, right? So you're able to address, and we have that in Spanish and well. So who is, who is Jesus actually talking to? We know in the context that we have the 11 disciples present, Judas no longer being there. Um, but we actually know that this instruction was not just for them. And it's almost like a puzzle you can see in verse uh, 20 where Jesus is asking his disciples to teach the, the disciples that they would make everything that he has instructed them. So we believe that there's almost like a chain happening here. 
where the first disciples were instructed to go and make disciples of others who would then also make disciples of others. And it's interesting that you see um, we live in a world where there's a lot of talk about church growth and there have been a lot of strategies and a lot of books and a lot of fads and this comes into vogue and then this goes out and now we should try this. But actually I think the original strategy is the very best and that is disciples making disciples and you see that here. Uh, and it works in any context, uh, and it's been working up until today. And all of us, in some measure, are uh, a product of other people discipling us, and they themselves uh, were evangelized and discipled as well. So uh, essentially, in whatever we might do to try to reach a person, whether we try to reach them through friendship um, or maybe through – I'm not trying to discredit any of that – sports ministry, building bridges with people – and all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I believe that the core strategy is right here, and it's, it's fairly simple, and it works in every context of disciples making disciples, and I hope that you can see that. So that's, um, that's the first part of the who. Now let's talk about the what. What is making disciples? I think that's important for us to understand. So we don't just want to go uh, and have a... F- Fancy evangelistic program with lights and smoke and, and a, a sort of charismatic personality. Um, that's not the idea that's presented here. So the word ma- uh, making disciples I looked up to enroll or enlist as your pupil for instruction. Isn't that interesting? And I wonder if you've ever thought of the idea of actually making a commitment to take somebody on in a longer process where you are seeking to teach them and pass on what the Lord is uh, teaching you, as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, uh, and essentially, we're also not talking only about head knowledge. And again, I'm not looking to discredit that, because we understand that the gospel includes many propositional or many truths that need to be believed and understood. But at the same time, you see uh, in the in the time of Jesus. Uh, where a rabbi would take on disciples and essentially they would give up their old life and they would follow this rabbi and they would learn uh, what the rabbi was teaching them and seek to become like the rabbi. So when we talk about a discipleship process, you're making a commitment, you're enlisting somebody as your disciple. They They are a disciple of Christ, but you are the one taking responsibility for leading them in a process where they become more like Christ, where they are following Christ more and more. Now, obviously, all of us are imperfect. We're all in a process. Uh, and so, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're not asking anybody to, we're not setting ourselves up as some kind of hero and saying, I'm perfect and you must just copy me. But at the same time, we're seeking to pass on and grow ourselves in the Lord Jesus. So, I hope we can understand that making disciples uh, is not merely, it's not, as somebody says, not making converts. Um, and we've seen. Um, in, in the little time that we've been in missions, uh, I think a lot of, this is obviously um, an impression or opinion, but I think in a lot of the church world, they say, you know, sometimes the church is a mile wide, but only an inch deep or only a centimeter deep. And I think a lot of the time there's been a major emphasis since the late 1800s on uh, preaching an evangelistic message and uh, getting people to sort of put up their hands or to say a prayer to repeat after me. And obviously there needs to be a moment of decision where you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart. But at the same time, 
I think we need to take more commitment in terms of continuing the process and walking with them. And um, maybe if we if we need guidance, maybe we need some materials on that or to uh, look at a structure of how we might approach going through that. Um, but again, um, you may sit and listen to me and you may think, well, uh, I'm not a pastor, I didn't study uh, in seminary, or I didn't do that. But we've, we've mentioned that Jesus is actually giving this command to everybody. So amongst those who are sitting here, I believe there are likely to be those who are called to cross-cultural ministry and who the Lord is telling to go to Saudi Arabia or Kyrgyzstan or somewhere there. But at the same time, the command is for everybody in whatever context you may find yourself and that we are to seek to make disciples and also be, be disciples and to be growing in Christ intentionally. And the Lord enables that to happen. All right. Um, okay. All right. You see in verse 20, I'm just going to highlight a phrase here, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's, another, there's, a, there's a, a version of the New Testament made, made by a guy called Wiest who tried to take all the strongest definitions and kind of put them into the text and reorder. So somebody said this is like the Yoda Bible because um, they've put it in the original Greek order and they've, you know, it kind, of, it kind of sounds a bit strange that way. But it says here, teaching them to be attending to carefully, holding firmly to, and observing. That's a practical uh, step. All... Whatever things I enjoined upon you, and behold, as for myself with you, I am all the days until the consummation of the age. Um, so it's a training. It's essentially a training to understand but also to observe all that he has commanded. So it involves um, not only uh, the understanding but action, and that's also important as well. And we can get very comfortable in merely attending church and, and listening to the sermon and kind of checking the box. I, I went to church, I, t- I listened to the sermon, and I've done my, my duty for the week. But we want to have that attitude that I referred to in Isaiah 66, where it talks about trembling at the word of God. There's a real, um, uh, almost like the soil uh, in that parable, that's very fertile, and when the seed goes in, it's going to produce fruit. So we need to adopt that attitude, I believe. Okay, I'm not going to go into detail about Baptism, but obviously we see it there as well, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe just mentioning, um, uh, if you consider baptism and what it represents or what it symbolizes, uh, you see that dying, uh, the old man dying, those old ways, that old person is radical transformation. And so um, baptism, not merely being, oh, we must just make sure we get them in the water and check the box again, but actually there's, there's an understanding there that we need to uh, understand, even regards to our own lives. Uh, even though we may have seen, maybe somebody shared the gospel and said, is there something wrong with your life? You know, maybe you need to add Jesus and, and get an, you know, like you almost, there's some app that you're missing on your phone and you just want to add, uh, add that app. But actually we're finding a complete before and after a complete radical change, a new creation, uh, and that baptism being understood and being representing the decision of the person to kind of nail his uh, colors to the mast and say, now 
I belong to Jesus. I was in the world, I was of the world, but now I'm no longer of the world, and my life is different. And so as we look to make disciples, um, Jesus a number of uh, times, uh, referring to the cost of discipleship, referring to um, if anybody would come after me, he should deny himself, take up his cross, speaking of death, speaking of crucifixion, um, to the old man, to the old desires, and then follow me. So there is a very radical nature to Christianity, to discipleship, which we cannot deny because we're in submission to the Scriptures. And so as we see what's written there, we must recognize that Christianity is not just an app, an add-on, a little bit of source on what we already have, but it's, um, it's a whole new diet and a whole new, uh, a whole new life. All right. Okay, I hope that you're all following, following up until there. Um, it's the first time I've preached in English for a long time, and thankfully I haven't um, said anything in Spanish. That's that's helpful. <laughs> all right. The next question we're going to look at is where. Um, where are we to go, and who are we to disciple? Um, and again, we're taking our answer from the text. So, uh, a couple of things there. When we talk about all nations, um, I think the word all. Uh, even if you look at the Greek or whatever language, tends to be very easy to interpret. If it says all, it means all of them, every one of them, none left out, the the shepherd uh, leaving the 99 and going after the one, one that was left, because his heart is dissatisfied that one should be left out. And in the same way, I believe that the heart of God is not satisfied until uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation is uh, reached and that's the other part. Speaking about nations, this used to be understood as countries. Uh, 181, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact number of countries, but now uh, it is believed. Uh, looking at the word ethnos, from which we get an ethnic group. Um, a definition that I found: a multitude bound by the same manners, customs, or other distinctive features. So it usually implies their geography, their, their language, and their culture. And if you look, there's a, a website called Joshua Project where you'll find uh, detailed research on, on, on the various people groups of the world. And the number at the moment is 17,453 uh, different ethnic groups, of which 7,400 have yet to be reached, yet to have um, a uh, really yet to know Christ, to put it in a simple sense. And that's 42% of all the people groups of the world have yet to be reached. Um, so even though we might consider, uh, and obviously I want to speak in a balanced way, we might, we, we might emphasize very much the needs in our local area, and that's true. I'm sure uh, that there are many needs uh, in South Africa, a great need for discipleship. At the same time, we also recognize a huge need in the world, and it may be that you may not have considered a cross-cultural ministry, but that uh, the Lord would have you do that. I, I personally believe that many more people should consider cross-cultural ministry. Even just thinking about the fact that there are only three missionaries for every million Muslims is absolutely mind-blowing. And to my own mind, I think 3,000 would be a much more reasonable number. And for me, it seems very far off in terms of the the, the work that would be need to be done by those three missionaries. All right. Um, okay, the other ha- bad habit I have of pre- is preaching too long, so let me let me look at uh, uh, wrapping this up a bit. Now, historically, the church, uh, if you look at 
the, the way that this played out, we understand that Jesus first instructed the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then they remained in Jerusalem until uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, uh, where um, we see the stoning of Stephen. Saul approves the execution of Stephen. And there, it says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So persecution came and then the church scattered. And essentially the gospel reached uh, to the ends of the known world, the Roman Empire, uh, within three centuries. But sadly, that momentum, as far as we understand, seems to have been lost in what is known as the Middle Ages until uh, the Reformation. And obviously in the Reformation, there was a rediscovery of uh, what salvation is by faith. But we also see that momentum in missions only kind of picked up uh, with uh, the late 1700s with William uh, Carey as he uh, looking at passages like these, began to present to the church the question of whether the Great Commission was still valid. And he was told uh, at that time that if God wanted to save the heathen, he would do it himself. But William Carey remained uh, committed to this conviction, and he's considered sort of the father of modern missions, and mission organizations began to be established to what we have today. So momentum has been gained, but in from what I can see, in terms of where things are at, it really seems like there's still a long way to go. And we may assume that because we're in the age of flying and technology uh, that everybody should know by now, but I think the reality is very far from that. And I think at least 3.4 billion people really do not know, and I'm sure many more don't have uh, an accurate understanding of the gospel uh, in, in so many places. So now to personalize this and as we begin to just answer the last couple of questions. In your own life, uh, let me say it like this. Do you feel peace, because we believe that peace is one of the ways we understand that we're in the will of God, about where you're at? Because I can't be here and just say, oh, yes, you should all be going to Afghanistan, for example. I'm obviously not the Lord. But in terms of your own response to what the scriptures are teaching here, are you... Uh, at peace with where you're at? Because I think we can start with where we're at. Uh, are there people within your own company, within your family, who have, an under- do they understand the gospel? Are there people that you can be praying for, perhaps building relationship with, making disciples? Are you part of a, dis- uh, of a Bible study group? I think that would be a good question to ask and to consider as well. Um, but are there some, perhaps, that the Lord might be uh, sort of tugging on your heart and saying, what about these 7,400 unreached people groups that are in the world today? All right. Okay, I think we've already touched on whatever. I know I know that thoughts come to people's minds when, when they think, you know, me serving in missions, me discipling somebody else. Um, thoughts of fear of man, thoughts of reaction, thoughts about the difficulty. Fi- what about finances? What about all these different kind of things? And I think I can't address all of that, but when we mobilize people for missions, one half of it is presenting the need, presenting um, the biblical mandate, but the other half for me is essentially uh, reminding us of the God that that is calling us to do this. All of the reasons we might give, and um, essentially I'm not going to be as diplomatic as I would usually be, for why we cannot do this or why this is too difficult, too expensive, impossible, 
um, don't stand up to the God who is calling us, the God of the impossible. And and he, you know, Jesus said, with with man this is impossible. Referring to something else, but with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So whatever those reasons are, and in my own life, in my own testimony, I found that the Lord has provided. He's enabled me to get over that very intense shyness that I had as a teenager where I found it very difficult. And EE3 was actually very helpful in that, to get over that barrier of being able to approach a stranger and begin a conversation and all that kind of thing. So I don't believe that there's any real reason why we should not do this, if I can put it that way. All right. Um, Perhaps I can just mention one scripture uh, just to kind of help us to get rid of some of those reasons, and that is in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, where it says that we, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So I believe Paul had an understanding that the work that he was carrying out wasn't in his own strength. And you even see it right at the end of Colossians 1, for this I struggle but he was referring to with his might, with all of his might that works within me. So there's a mysterious and amazing um, dependency in which we can live on the Lord where we actually experience his enabling to do things which we would ordinarily find, find it impossible to do. And I really believe that's true uh, in, any, in any case. His grace at work within us and his grace uh, through us um, when we need the words to say or we need to find a way to adjust to another culture, whatever it may be. All right. Okay, and the other thing on that, of course, is the Word of God itself. I, I think if we leave the Word of God out, then, yeah, it's really not going to work. <clears throat> but the Word of God in various scriptures is referred to uh, as a fire, as a rock-breaking hammer, as a piercing sword that's kind of like a surgeon's knife, as something that brings faith, as a life-giving river. So we understand that the Word of God is uh, absolutely essential and uh, works, and the Lord works in hearts. We have the Holy Spirit who convicts the world regarding sin, regarding uh, righteousness, regarding judgment, who leads us into all truth. So there are very many scriptures that I think, but just to put that in one box, I would say at the end of the day, he is going to enable us by spirit and word to do that for which he has called us. All right. So I have two questions to end. Um, and my desire when I, when I preach or when I share uh, is not just to end and say we, we had our church service, we had the sermon, we listened to it, and then we went. But I'm actually looking for a response in each person. So if, you, if you're thinking that such and such a person really needs to hear this, then also bring it back to yourself. How might I respond to this too? So the first question is, will you, it's kind of a yes or no question, will you adopt the mission of God in your heart that we've seen in the Great Commission? Will you say, yes, the Lord has asked us, um, I need to be in some way a part of this, in whatever way that might be. So that's the first thing, putting all logistics aside, all questions aside. Is your heart in agreement with what the Word of God says? And the second question, if so, where do you need to be? Do you need to be where you are? And that may well be. Um, or do you maybe need to consider going somewhere else? And actually to add to that, if 
you need to be where you are, will you consider taking somebody on to disciple them? All right? Um, if I'm seeing the text correctly, that is a command to all believers. Will you, are you willing, are you willing here today, you, <laughs> are you willing to disciple somebody, to take somebody on? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this great commission. Uh, your plan from the very beginning uh, to involve your church, you could have used, uh, as we've heard before, you could have used an angel, you could have used a different method, but you've chosen your church, and sometimes the task seems very daunting. I know I've had that feeling as well, where it seems impossible, it seems difficult, even to talk to somebody uh, near me and be willing to share the gospel. But Lord, we believe that you enable us, and we don't want to use those reasons uh, as to, to sort of get ourselves out of obedience in, in this area. Help us, Lord. Tra- teach us, train us, enable, enable us, give us a clear understanding of how we are to participate in the Great Commission, Father. Uh, and thank you so much for what you've uh, been teaching us even today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for each one here. We love you, Lord, and we really ask for your help to be able to uh, put this into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.